Welcome to this special episode of the Turfgrass Hotline as we join Ken Benoit and the Connect to Protect Tour wrapping up a 3,400-mile, 36-riding-days journey across the continental United States. Ken was highlighting environmental stewardship, best management practices, and renewing one man's faith in the American spirit. Ken spoke to me a few days after his triumphant arrival to Bandon Dunes, captured so well by GCSAA Northwest Regional Representative Dave Phipps. In this episode, we'll discuss the last few days leaving Idaho and crossing into Oregon. We hear from Ken that while we might celebrate the 50 states having the BMPs in place by 2020, there is much, as he says, heavy lifting to go, including a superintendent unaware of what a BMP is. Also, he discusses a false narrative being portrayed across the country by some media and how his experiences along the road beg to differ. We'll get into this and more on this special episode marking the conclusion of the Connect to Protect Tour. Just a note here about our longtime sponsor, Dryjet, the only machine that aerates top dresses and amends in one pass. And I might add, has so many more features using wet sand now, different depths, and especially shallow depths to maintain a permeable and firm surface. In my experience, this has been a game changer for many courses, trying to improve drainage and firmness. You can learn more at dryjack.com or contact your local Dryjack services representative. Here's my conversation with Ken Benoit, recorded October 6, 2020. I started by asking him how it felt to finish. Well, there was a great sense of self-satisfaction. You know, there were moments along that journey that I questioned whether or not I was going to be able to finish. I had some physical ailments that crept up and then took a pretty strong hold of me. I had some mechanical issues on my bike one day in particular that I thought for a few moments may have a detrimental effect on, on me finishing the tour. And geez, there were days where I was so deep into the pain cave that I wondered what the hell I was doing and should I just give up? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I remember those conversations, Ken, all the way back from your first climb through the Appalachians, then into Ohio, and you had to nurse it a little bit. And then when it really flared up in Iowa, you know, your physical problems, and then this, the story of the bolt that you were able to procure from a bunch of people. I, I remember those conversations very well. And of course, I also remember the golf courses and all the wonderful people that you met through the country. Now, this includes not always people that you necessarily agreed with their view on, on society. So I haven't really spoken to you since you were with your family right before the last uh, five days. So let's talk about what it was like going across the state of Oregon. Well, the state of Oregon, from a cycling perspective, was much more grueling and challenging than I had imagined. On paper, it seemed, well, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but it's not going to be a grind like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was a grind. But I was wrong. Oregon ended up being a really tough few days of riding. I ended up doing it in about four and a half days, almost 600 miles. So I, I ripped through the state, but let me tell you, some of the climbing was pretty tough. And some of the traffic situations were super tough. There were times where I was riding on in the lane with cars on busy roads because there was no shoulder. The shoulder was gravel, essentially. And there were some close calls, including uh, me hearing screeching tires behind me and looking back and seeing a car about five feet from the back of my wheel. Uh, that, that was a pretty hairy moment. 
and that was followed by on the same little stretch of road by this pickup truck pulling a trailer who went so close to me I, I swore I could feel the rub of the vehicle as he passed me I mean it literally was so close uh, had I twitched at all I, I would have been hit and unfortunately you know there wasn't even traffic coming in the other direction so he chose to drive that close to me or was probably on his phone and likely unaware I worried honestly Ken more about the inattentive drivers maybe not necessarily seeing you. So, you know, I know you had a lot of varied experiences. Let's talk a little bit about the biking stuff. Let's get the miles and the days and the stats uh, added away. So it had to be what, 3,900 some odd miles? No, I ended up being uh, about 3,400 miles. I had 36 ride days, ended up averaging right about 95 miles per day. As you know, my goal was 100 a day, uh, but that was a goal that I threw on paper, really. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with the 95 miles a day. All things considered, uh, I think that's pretty darn close and certainly a measure of your determination to try to reach that goal. So now let's talk about some of the golf stuff, right? We've caught up on a number of the BMP things that's certainly been in addition to my friendship with you, my professional in, interest in, in paying attention to this or the kinds of things you've been able to highlight, I think you did something in Idaho and I think you did yeah. something in Oregon. Can you talk a little bit what it's like meeting golf course superintendents out there in that part of the country where, you know, watering is an enormous part of the, you know, regular stuff they have to do just to keep the grass alive in many areas, right? Yeah, they're using amounts of water that, for a guy who does this in the East is mind boggling. Uh, you know, I, I, and, and some of the courses that, that I visited don't even use a lot of water compared to what many courses out West use, uh, you know, particularly in Arizona and some of those uh, real desert areas who are using it year round. So I visited Joe Aholt at Hillcrest Country Club, superintendent there, and they're using 130 million gallons a year of water. You know, and back in New York, I would use 18 million, you know, yeah. 23 million maybe. <laughs> so that's a big number to me. And of course, that's not necessarily a big number for other courses uh, out West. Right. So what did you stumble across? What were you able to highlight among the golf courses that you visited at Hillcrest? Yeah. So in visiting Joe, they recently discovered a leak in their pond. And they're losing about 75,000 gallons a day through that leak in their pond. The water for them is virtually free. The electricity cost to pump water on their golf course is about $1,000 a year, he said. So electricity is super cheap. Water is super cheap for that 130 million gallons. It's costing them about $5,000 a year. And that's only to supplement with some city water during the peak season. So they're not spending much money on water. So the 75,000 gallons is not costing them much. And the club decided to go spend $200,000 to put a liner in this pond where they're losing the water because it's the right thing to do environmentally. I thought that was amazing. That the club made that decision. Yeah, of course, out there, we're talking about uh, average rainfall in the single low teen numbers, yes? Yes, 
That's right. And so they've got this canal that runs down from the mountains next to their golf course that they pull water from. I shot a picture of it and included it in the uh, video that we produced. The canal's 50 foot wide and four or five foot deep. And I believe it's flowing at a, I want to say 140 CFM. It's a rusher. That thing is pushing some water through. So water for them is free and easy. So what about Oregon? Did you get to visit a place in Oregon? Ah, so Oregon is a work in process. I'm going to be visiting Bandon Dunes, which I'm super excited for. They're known for their environmental programs there. I'm going to be meeting with maybe a couple superintendents at Bandon, and I'll be shooting a few videos there. I'm also going to be stopping on my way home at Sylvie's Ranch again and visit Sean Houlihan. I came through there on my way to the end of the ride, but because of the long ride schedules, I didn't have time to shoot a video with him. So uh, I'll be heading back there on Monday and shooting a BMP video with him. So where are you heading? Obviously, you sound, you, you're going to visit some golf courses in, in the area. And then what are you doing? You're driving home? Uh, I thought I saw that you have a meeting in Lawrence. Yeah. So my itinerary doesn't get much less busy. I'm going to be busy here in this Coos Bay, Bandon Dunes area, visiting superintendents. Uh, my sister is friends with a super local superintendent here who I'm going to be visiting with, along with the Bandon visits that I mentioned, then Sean Houlihan over in John Day at Sylvie's Ranch. And then I'm going to Wyoming, where I'm going to pick up a golf course in Wyoming. Uh, Ryan Franklin at Fossil Island Golf Course had asked me if I would come by. So I'm going to pick up that golf course, which will give me that golf course in Wyoming that I didn't get on my way through. And then from Wyoming, I'm going to head to Lawrence, Kansas to drop in on headquarters and just get together with some folks there and do a ride. Uh, Rhett, our CEO, wants to do a ride together. So I'm going to try to rip his legs off on a nice ride. So listen, one of the major goals for this professionally was to highlight the uh, implementation of these BMPs across the country. And this is a, a very opportune time to do it right, as this year we committed as an industry through the GCSAA to have all 50 states uh, done by 2020. So it's sort of nice that you're making your way back to Lawrence. But let me ask you, Ken, honestly... Honestly, now, we've been yakking a long time. How are we doing? Are we really implementing the kinds of BMPs you'd like to see us doing? I know you had a lot of positive experiences out there, but are you really satisfied that we've sort of got this now? Or, or are you seeing guys with completed facility BMPs? Uh, I want to know what your sense is from riding across the country. Not just are people doing individual things, but are we really implementing these things on a broad scale? Short answer is no, we're not. And we've got a lot of heavy lifting to do. And well, I mean, of course, this is part of the point of the adventure that I undertook was to raise awareness of that. And I think that to some degree we've done that, but really the heavy lifting is in front of us. I was speaking with a superintendent along this trip who, who we didn't do a video with, who asked me what a BMP was. And that's the kind of thing that can't happen. 
We've got to get these things implemented on a facility level. I didn't visit one golf course that had a formal BMP document adopted at their facility. Uh, so we got a lot of work ahead of us. And I think that's the thing you and I have known from the beginning when we started this journey back uh, all the way in Las Vegas when we were talking about doing the BMPs. You and I always view these things as the beginning, uh, not the end. And you know, We've uh, invested a lot of funds and time and energy as you continue to do to not just raise awareness, but to get these things implemented. That's a major, as you say, uh, a big lift. Now, let me ask you about another aspect of the trip, uh, how it was to meet and greet the citizens of this grand land. (laughs) Well, as you know, I had some ups and downs coming across the country, but By the time I got to the end of this tour, I had come to the conclusion that this is an amazing country full of amazing people. And the perception that this country is somehow falling from grace or that it's divided to the point that we can't come back together again, I think is a false narrative. Not to get too political about it. But I think that the cable news networks who aren't committed to making this country great, they're committed to making money and selling commercials, are covering the salacious stories that, you know, sell commercials. And and they're pandering to their audience to get them to tune in and see these stories. And and when you turn off the TV and you get out into America like I did, what you do is you rediscover your faith in this country and you realize that maybe most of America is being misrepresented by the cable news networks. And I don't care which of the three you're watching. I think they're misrepresenting the true America and uh, what a delight it, it was to come across America and meet so many wonderful people. And what a relief it is to me personally to come to the realization that this country is amazing. It's full of amazing people. And we just don't seem to have a voice because it's not selling commercials. (laughs) And I think that holds for most of America. Well, these are the choices that we've made as a society to be a market-driven economy. And I think that the nature of what you just described is the reason that the things are operating the way they do uh, fundamentally, you could argue, is because they uh, have to sell things. That's the way our our sort of way of life is set up, right? That is the big uh, yeah. argument underway. Uh, and I imagine you saw very interesting perspectives on mask wearing uh, as you went across the country in a, a very interesting time. I mean, some people could have called you Typhoid Ken uh, <laughs> across the country, you know. And listen, as we wrap up, I can't help but thinking about uh, Forrest Gump, when I think about you out in the open road alone in Nebraska. Yeah, so um, those are the places where I found the most remarkable people to help me when I needed help. <laughs> we're in those remote areas. Yeah, that were certainly willing to step up. But in general, you spent a lot of time alone. You went out yeah. to, as you said, burn the carbon off. How'd it go? You got your head cleared out. You're ready for the ride home. You're ready for the next chapter of EcoTurf Consulting. Um, I guess I'm just wondering, as we wrap up on a personal note, how it wound up for you. Well, on a personal note, I accomplished what I had hoped to accomplish, which wasn't necessarily a specific place in my mind to be other than 
to have more clarity and vision and be able to wake up in the morning and feel that the purpose for getting out of bed is worthwhile. And I wasn't feeling that, frankly, before I left. And I'm back to hopping out of bed. And that alone made this entire trip worth it for me. But uh, I do have a vision. It was an amazing amount of support that I got, you know, outside our industry and along the way, but from within our industry, on Twitter, uh, people texting me, you know, I re-fell in love with this golf industry along the way. And I know my purpose. And I, I feel like I have a personal compass now uh, that's going to help push me to the future. That's Ken Benoit, founder and president of EcoTurf Consulting at the conclusion of the Connect to Protect Tour. You can find all the great experiences Ken had on his website, ecoturfconsulting.com. However, to truly capture how this resonated with Ken on a personal and professional level, I'd recommend spending some time chatting with him about it, as I have had the pleasure of doing these last two months, from the first dip of the bike in the Atlantic to the last dip in the Pacific. Big thanks to our sponsors who enable us to produce this show, as well as, frankly speaking, our friends at Dryject, Intelligro, makers of Civitas, and the Plant Food Company. I'm Frank Rossi. Thank you for listening.